Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good to see everybody here this morning. We are now five weeks back, and it is just so good to be at the Crown Plaza back home. Kids ministry, like, I'm just so excited to see the kids' faces. Parents, I'm sure you're excited. And uh, I just want to thank so much, uh, just you guys, just being so faithful. It's just a gift of grace every Sunday that I walk up here, and I think to myself, God, you kept us. You kept us. 16 months of being shut down. You kept us, and we're here, and um, Inspired Church is still here. You still have more for us, and I'm just so, so grateful um, for all of you. I'm so grateful for the squad that came today. I appreciate you guys so much doing worship with us, giving our worship team just a much-needed time to relax and break. We've been going nonstop. You guys sound beautiful. Thank you so much for your worship, and I'm just so blessed this morning. Um, We are starting a new summer series. It's going to be about eight weeks, and it starts today through the summer, and we are calling it Foundations. Now, those of of you who've been following us on our social, you've been seeing that we've been putting up surveys and questions and just kind of taking a theological temperature. It's not a test, so if you got something wrong, we didn't call you or try to correct you, but really, um, I think tests can be scary sometimes. Right? It can be scary, but you know, tests are good because they're not there to condemn you, but they're there just to show you areas you could grow in. And this is just really what this is about. If you maybe haven't taken this survey, it's a kind of a theological survey. Um, uh, I would love for you to take it. It's still on our Instagram. You can follow us. Uh, you can go to our bio, click the link. You get to the 31 question survey just regarding theology and ethics. And so we're building our sermon series called Foundations just around this, especially in the summer, because we can love Jesus, but we got to know who we love, why we love. Uh, he's beautiful. He's good, he's precious, he's lovely, uh, uh, but, but we want to know what the Bible has to say about Christ, what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. There are so many questions that not only you need answers to personally, but this world needs answers to, and so um, we're just so excited to reinforce that for some of you. Uh, for others, maybe you'll learn and grow, and at the very end, uh, truth and knowledge and understanding only leads to a greater worship. Amen? Well, it should lead. If it doesn't, then it's just pride, and we don't want any of that. But truth and knowledge and understanding should lead to a place of worship. What we're going to do in the next couple of weeks, there'll be some sermons, some kind of TED Talk type situations, some presentations. We'll get a little preachy. We'll get a little teachy. Y'all know all about that. But throughout each message, we're going to provide a phone number for you if you have a question. And we won't be able to answer them today, obviously, but we'll take these questions throughout the summer and we will answer every Wednesday at noon. Um, And you can go follow us again on our Instagram and our Facebook via our stories. And uh, we will answer these questions. Those those stories usually stay up about 24 hours. And so if you have questions, today you can pull your phone out. I'm not gonna think anything else. Just don't be tempted, you know, to scroll through Insta or whatever. But pull your phone up. You have questions. We're gonna have the number available for you all day long. So when you see kind of our little setup here with uh, uh, some of our slides, the text number will be right there through every slide. So you have a question, you can go ahead and ask it. It is anonymous. And so um, feel free to fire away. Just be nice. (laughs) Amen. Um, And so that'll be there. That'll be up there. And throughout this message, 
Feel free, you can pull out your phone and send a text message. Gerald, I already know you got a bunch, so um, shoot them my way, our way. Uh, Pastor Roger will be, him and I will be going back and forth for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we are very excited. Next week, we'll be talking about the authority of Scripture, but today we are talking about the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so in 2020, kind of the inspiration of this series, in 2020, Ligonier Ministries, uh, in partnership with Lifeway Research, surveyed Americans asking a series of theological uh, questions to take the theological temperature. And really, their focus wasn't just non-believers, but they were also focusing in the church as well. And so uh, Ligonier Ministries, in partnership with Lifeway, took a a series, a survey of about 31 questions. Some of them were more true-false statements. And so I just want to share with you, and really throughout the next eight weeks, we're going to share with you just what different people had to say, including Inspired Church. And, um, and so today, I just want to talk a little bit about what some people had to say about Jesus Christ and his deity. So there was a statement on the survey. So in response to this first statement, are you ready? Here's a statement. Jesus was a great teacher but he was not God. In response to that statement, 52% of of those that were um, um, surveyed in the United States, 52% agreed that Jesus was not God, but a good teacher, while 36% disagreed with that statement. Are you guys with me? Now, among evangelicals now, now inside of the church and those that are specifically affiliated with evangelicalism, 30% agreed that Jesus was not God, that he was a good teacher, while 66% disagreed. Now, among Inspired Church, because we took this survey as well, and there were probably about 66 of us that took it. So I know more of y'all could take this survey. Uh, um, Among 66 that took from Inspired Church, and really some people kind of from the outside that were following us on our socials, 12% agreed or were unsure as to whether or not Jesus was God, while 83% disagree with that. Are you guys with me? Now, in another statement, in response to this statement, are you ready? Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 55% of US adults surveyed agreed that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God, while 36% disagreed among even and I may have got my numbers just slightly adjusted wrong here cats like you know so you guys can read this whatever it says on there I promise you that's what's correct (laughs) among evangelicals now this is really interesting okay remember inside of the church remember the statement is this Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God among evangelicals 66 percent agreed that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God. Fascinating. While 47% disagreed or were unsure. Among Inspired Church, again, we surveyed about 66 people. 12% agreed, and this is within Inspired Church and some people that took it that were following us. 12% agreed that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God. While 63% disagreed that he was the first and greatest being created by God. Are you, are you 
We good over there? Hopefully um, you guys are following me. I want to make sure. Okay. Now on our stories, we kind of asked a few other questions the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I want to share with you one question that we asked about Christ on our Inspire Stories. In response to the statement that Jesus was half human and half divine, of the 49 who responded, 15 said the statement was true and 34 said it was false. While about 120 of you just like to stalk our stories and not respond. <laughs> Y'all do it. I know, I know you're going to pass by our stuff. You like that? Anyways, don't worry, we're not taking names. But again, Jesus was half human and half divine. Of the 49 who responded, 15 said the statement was true, and 34 said it was false. Now, there really shouldn't be any surprise to any of us that our culture is confused all over the place or in the opposite direction to what the scripture has to say, amen? But when the cultural confusion begins to creep into the church, we gotta confront it head on. Are you with me? Uh, now, uh, some of you get really offended when the culture does what the culture does. And I get it, there are some things that are really offensive and we wanna stand up against it, but I don't get why some of you guys get so angry when the culture does what the culture, they don't believe in Christ, they're gonna say what they're gonna say. But when that cultural confusion begins to creep its way into the church, it's an indictment on me as a pastor, it's an indictment as a church in America, as an organization, it's an, an indictment to the pulpit on Sundays and to our small groups throughout the week or whatever we decide to do, because the reality is, that that cultural confusion shouldn't be manifested among people who trust, believe, and read the word. It's also an indictment on some of us in here that maybe are not exercising the practice of studying the word. Are you with me? You see, Judaism, we know, rejects Jesus as their Messiah. Islam, we know, honors Jesus as a prophet but does not call him God. Mormons claim he was created by a heavenly father and a heavenly mother who maybe had heavenly sex and Jesus somehow came out as a son. But we know they believe that. And many in our society simply see him as a really good moral teacher. In their book, Putting Jesus in His Place, there's a book called Putting Jesus in His Place. And you guys feel free if you want to write this down. It's a great book. I totally suggest it if you want to go deeper. Robert Bowman writes this. Almost no one minds a strong affirmation of the belief in Jesus. But in an age when so many reject the idea that any one viewpoint is superior to another that Jesus is regarded as uniquely God incarnate is the epitome of intolerance. I'm gonna say that again so y'all can understand that. Almost no one minds a strong affirmation of the belief in Jesus. But in an age when so many reject the idea that any one viewpoint is superior to another, that Jesus is regarded as uniquely God incarnate is the epitome of intolerance. Yet no matter the cultural consequences, amen? Are you with me? No matter the cultural consequences, we must remain faithfully committed to the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ. If we don't have that, we don't have anything. 
I'm going to say it again. Regardless of the consequences, whether the church has consequences, whether they strip our 501c3 because that feels like persecution. No, I'm talking about life or death consequences. No matter the cultural consequences, and let's just not talk about the church. Let's talk about the church individual. No matter your consequences at work, at home, with your friends, or with your family, we must guard and protect our understanding of the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Number one is the truth. And since we are a people of truth, truth should matter. And two, because all of the Christian doctrines, including salvation, rise or fall at the denial or affirmation that Jesus is God. Amen. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Every time we say your name and go to you in prayer, it's an affirmation that you are God. Why pray to anybody else if they're not God? So Jesus, we pray in your name. And we ask, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that your word would be illuminated. Lord, that you would deposit into each heart and mind in here exactly what they need to hear today, whether they've been in children's church since they were a kid and they know all of this or whether this is new, I pray in each space, in each experience, in each place that we're at in every chair that you would pierce us with the beauty, the majesty, and the glory of Christ Jesus. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus who is God. Amen. In our quest, in our journey to make Jesus more palatable, more relevant, more relatable, New Testament scholar Grant Osborne asks the church, is your Jesus too small? Have we made Jesus too small? I mean, honestly, he's been called big brother, right? He's been called best friend. We have t-shirts that call him our homeboy. We even sing, no offense, some suspect songs. Make me feel like I'm singing to a boyfriend and not my savior sometimes. Amen. Some of you. (laughs) But in reality, the question becomes, has all of this caused us to lose sight of his lordship over our lives? Has he become too common? Now, he is best friend. Don't get me wrong. He's not boyfriend, but he is best friend. He is our elder brother, but have we commonized him? I don't even know if that's a word. Has he become so common? You know, the the, uh, uh, definition of dishonor is taking something that is holy and sacred and making it common and ordinary. Have we lost our awe and our wonder and his lordship? Has this entered into our lives and weaved its way in and so that he is friend, but he is not Lord? This was the essence of Paul's letter to the church at Colossus in the book of Colossians. If you're wondering why he wrote Colossians, This is the essence of why. You see, the Colossians entertained false prophets. And these 
False prophets cleverly syncretized, commingled, mixed together different belief systems. They infused. It's, they're not sure what exactly Colossus was dealing with, but they did know that they were allowing some preachers and some teachers, sound familiar, to enter into the pulpits and the place of preaching, and they were denigrating the Christ that we call Jesus our Lord. They were syncretizing and mixing, and some suggest that there was a little bit of Hellenism, some Greek ideology. There was some Judaism mixed in with Christianity. It was a hometown buffet of religions. And the result of that syncretism was the undermining of the sufficiency of Christ and a denial of the doctrine of Jesus' divinity. So Paul, are you ready, writes this letter to the Colossians exalting the supremacy of Jesus Christ and reminding the church that any human philosophy, any human ideology, worldview, religious tradition that does not confess Jesus as fully God is at its source, are you ready, demonic and sinking sand. Wow, demonic feels a little harsh, doesn't it? You need to read through Colossians. It is a demonic, ultimately at its source, it is a demonically inspired attack against the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Colossians. And while you're doing that, if you want to text a question, you can even jump in and do that. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15, we're going to read verses 15 through 20. And I love this because many, many scholars suggest that this might even be a hymn that was already being affirmed through the church and that Paul was actually borrowing it. So it would be like one of us writing a letter, a pastor or apostle writing a letter and taking kind of a song that's already being sung. So many people believe that Paul just kind of borrowed this hymn and put it in here as he begins this exaltation of Christ in Colossians, which is just a beautiful thing to realize that the church was singing and affirming who Christ was. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 through 20 reads like this. Are you ready? I wish Pastor Roger was up here to read this because I feel like when he reads the scriptures, I just like, ah. So, you know, two weeks from now, Roger, you're going to be reading the scriptures for me. I'm going to do my best. Are you ready? Says this. He is the image of the invisible God. Thank you, mama. The firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether, interesting, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Fascinating. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. I said he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Are you ready? Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. By the blood of his cross. Wow. Paul opens his letter 
in Colossians chapter one with a greeting. You know how Paul does it. Tell everybody I said, what's up, right? Tell Nelson I said, hi. Tell Marvin I said, what's up? Let Michelle know I'm thinking about it, right? That's how he started all of his letters by saying what's up to the people that he knew in the church. So he opens up by saying a greeting. He then says some prayers, some things he desires to pray over the church, but he finishes the rest of chapter one. Are you ready? With reasons to worship. And in verses 12 through 13, he says, he gives thanks to God the Father. Are you ready? For rescuing us out of darkness. Amen? Amen? He gives that reasons to worship. So in verses 12 through 13, he gives thanks to the Father for rescuing us out of darkness. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you didn't just rescue me out of, my mud and out of the mud. He says, but then you put me into the kingdom of the Son. That's verses 12 through 13. And it says, if that'll make you worship, then verses 15 through 20 will make you worship because Paul then turns his attention towards unpacking the identity of that son. Right? He says, so we praise God. We thank God because he took us out of darkness and he put us into the kingdom of the son. He says, but now how could you really know how beautiful that kingdom was unless you know who that son is? Right, because you you could be you could be trading one dictator for another, out of the kingdom of darkness in which you had hell and Satan as your master. Sometimes it felt good, but in the end, it kills and destroys. And then into the kingdom of light. But who is this son? And so, in verses fifteen through twenty, Paul unpacks who this son is, because if we know whose kingdom we've been brought into, that knowledge will produce. Worship. And I do mean song, but I also mean life. Worship. Worship. Amen? Amen. So the question becomes, who is this son? And again, this is, man, we could spend probably an entire summer on the deity of Christ. So, um, so I won't be able to get through all of this, but here are our three targets today if you want to follow along or you're taking notes. Are you ready? Number one, he is creator. Number two, he is sustainer. And number three, he is my redeemer. He is creator, sustainer, and my redeemer. My redeemer. Our redeemer. I made that a little personal today, but he is our redeemer. Amen. Are you with me? Are y'all ready to go? Verses 15 and 16 of this hymn in Colossians starts off with Jesus. He is the creator. What in the world is Paul talking about? In fact, did y'all catch it when I was reading this? Why did he use the word firstborn? Right? If he wasn't created, why did Paul use the word firstborn? What does Paul have in mind when he refers to Jesus as the firstborn of all creation? Obviously, for us English speakers, firstborn, we all know what that means. Does this mean that Jesus was created? Did God bring Jesus into being? Now, if you take a flashback into church history, because I know all of y'all love church history. Amen to that. There was an early heretical controversy called the Arian controversy. And we're not talking about Arians and Nazis. We're talking about a, there was a, there was a priest in Alexandria known by the name of Arius. That was his name. Now, what was this controversy? Well, he taught that the Son of God was a godlike creature. Okay? Y'all with me? He taught that Jesus was worthy of honor. He taught that Jesus was worthy of honor. 
But he was worthy of honor, are you ready? Because he was God's first and greatest creation. Y'all with me? Arius famously said, there was a time when the sun was not. There was a time when the sun was not. But in AD 35 at the Council of Nicaea, led by an Egyptian bishop named Athanasius, if anybody tries to tell you that African history is not about Christianity, you need to look at our early bishops. I know I have to say it every time, but you have to understand that some of our greatest theologians came out of Egypt and other places. Now, God has blessed all mankind, all kinds of theologians that come from everywhere, but specifically there seems to be just this attack as if Christianity just started in this Western world. That is not true. And we thank God for men like Athanasius who are willing to stand up and parse out the, 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 uh, parse out the scriptures and being able to fight against heretics that threaten the life of the church. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Athanasius, he dealt with the Arius, the Arius heresy or the Arian heresy. And he affirmed what the church had already, already been ascribing to Jesus, but this heresy was threatening that Jesus was fully and is fully God. And still today, you'll see Jehovah's Witnesses will affirm this idea of Arianism. And so the church, we see, even though uh, uh, there was a stance made and there was an orthodox created, we see that it didn't fully deal with this, and that still carries on today. But when Paul references firstborn, we have to consider two things, culture and context. Are you ready? Culture and context, Right? So let's talk about culture. You see, culture, firstborn, can also refer to being over or above or superior, like supremacy. It references the prestige and privilege of the status the firstborn has. Are you with me? Especially in a, a monarchical kind of ancient society where kings and queens and, and the, the line, the royal bloodline is so important. The firstborn son to the king receives the privileges, the standings and the rights. Are you with me? And so when we see firstborn here, we are seeing the privilege and we're seeing the prestige of a firstborn son of a king especially in ancient monarchical society. So when Paul calls Christ the firstborn of all creation, now that translation, there's other translations say the firstborn over creation. I kind of like that a little better. He's not calling Jesus creature. He's calling Jesus creator. He's saying Jesus is over, superior. Are you with me? He is above creation. And if you didn't believe that, just read verse 16 and it contextualizes everything. Verse 16 confirms when Paul describes, declares by him and for him. Are you ready? What does by him mean? By him means this. Since Jesus created all things by him, he himself could not have been created. Are you with me? Jesus created all all things, not 99.9% .9 of things. He created all things. And so things that were created, all of those were created by Jesus. Therefore, Jesus himself could not have been, are you with me? Yeah, created. Good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. But he doesn't say by him. He says for him, the beginning and the end. 
So Jesus didn't even just start creation, but all creation comes back to him. He is the goal. He is the purpose. He is the worship of all creation. Everything that has been created has been put there for him, including, did you catch it, authorities, dominions. You know what those words were Paul was using? Those are actually classifications of demons. Now, we just came out of Daniel, so we know about authorities and dominions. So, you know, Paul's saying even the vile, evil things in this world. Now, Jesus didn't create them evil. Are you with me? They fell. But even the fallen things, even the difficult things, even the troubling things, even the demonic things, Satan himself, all is there and ultimately brings glory and praise back to Christ. Wow, mind-blowing how even the vile and demonic things ultimately work so that Christ still is glorified. We see his beauty in ashes because he takes those ashes and brings them back to life. We understand him as redeemer, which means he bought us back because we are first in slavery to sin. Not only is Jesus the agent of all creation, but he is the goal of all creation. Hallelujah. I just want to stop right there, get the worship team up here and sing. We're not there yet. David's ready though. He said, <laughs> love you, Dave. Even the demonic authorities, including Satan himself, who rebelled against God, were not only created by him, but for him. So the next time Satan starts to bother you, be like, fool, <laughs> you were created for a purpose. And that was so that I can give God glory. That in my weakness, I would lean on his strength and he would be made known as strong. In fact, the scripture says that the principalities and rulers, had they known that crucifying him was actually going to destroy them, they would never have done it. But they thought they had killed him. But they were, what worked against him actually worked for him so that in his death on the cross, you know what he did on the cross? Scripture tells us that he stripped them. Wow. So in his death, while he was crucified and everyone was laughing and mocking and everyone thought they had him, he was disarming the enemy. Man, some of y'all are going to get that in a couple of days. I know you do, mama. That's why you're here. <laughs> this tells me that even in the most vile and evil circumstances, Jesus will still get all the honor. He'll still get all the glory. He'll still get all the praise. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Are you ready? All things were made through him. There it is again. And without him was not anything made that was made. Hebrews chapter one, verse two says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir. There it is of all things through whom also he created the world. He is creator. Amen. Again, we could stay here all summer, even on that, but we got to go to second step. I learned from last week. Verse 17 tells us he is sustainer. Hmm. All of my instrumentalists, I played a keyboard for, I wouldn't call myself a musician, but I, I tried playing the keyboard for a season. 
and the keyboard has a pedal that we call a sustain. Now, without that pedal, a note will make a sound, but that sound will not last. You with me? But if the note is played and the sustain is pressed, I think I got that right. That sound will last for however long the musician needs that sound to last. But if the pedal isn't pressed and there is no sustain, the sound is made, but the sound goes away. Are you with me? So verse 17 tells us, in him all things are held together. Hebrews 1.3 says, he upholds the universe by the power, I'm sorry, by the word of his power. This is fascinating. So Jesus not only created all things, but he sustains all things. He holds it together. He keeps it all together. Are you with me? The, I mean, did the observable patterns of this world just magically become patterned? I love what Jesus, I love what God tells to Job in the book of Job. He says, who tells the ocean it can come this far and no further? You understand the realities of the moon, if it was a little closer, a little further, the realities of the sun that are sustained and held perfectly in place. Who holds that together? Nobody? Nothing? The observable patterns of the universe and the intricate systems of your body, the world, the systems in this world don't sustain themselves, amen? But someone is holding it all together. The Bible identifies who that someone is as the second person of the Trinity, the eternal son of God, Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Who is literally keeping creation from disintegrating back into chaos and nothingness. (sighs) Mind-blowing. Are you ready? Yes. Even while he was fully man, he was fully God. Yes, even while he was fully man, he was fully God. We did a sermon series maybe two years ago called Controversial Christ. You can find a little bit more about his humanity. We talked about that. Thank God for a church that talks about that, Pastor Roger. If I could pat Aspire on the back one time, I will. Yes, even while Jesus was fully man, he was fully God. You ready for your mind to be blown? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. While Jesus was a baby lying in a manger, he was still sustaining the universe by the power of his hand. And while Jesus was dead in the grave, he was still sustaining the universe by the power of his word. While he was a baby, still sustaining it all. And while in the grave, still sustaining it all. What a mystery. Sometimes confusing. What in the world how could this be both natures coexisted in one person there wasn't a blend or a mix it wasn't 50 50 or 60 40 but while Jesus was fully man he was fully God amen so even though he hungered he multiplied bread Even though he thirsted, he turned water into wine even though he traveled on boats he walked on water And he calmed storms. And even though he died, he raised from the dead. This is why in the opening lines of this beautiful hymn, verse 15 of Colossians, it says, he is the image 
of the invisible God. That word image is interesting, right? In Genesis, you remember? Mankind was created in the image of God. You remember that? But mankind was created, so we're finite, and then mankind was corrupted by sin. Are you with me? Created and corrupted, we're finite and corrupted by sin. That's us, that's our story in Genesis, but in Colossians, in John, in Hebrews, Jesus is creator, the embodiment of God. He is not finite, he is infinite, and he is not fallen, he is unfallen. He does not have sin nature. So the hymn will go on to declare in verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In other words, all that God is, Jesus is. You with me? All his attributes, Jesus is. He is creator, he is sustainer, and he is our redeemer. And I'm just have the worship team get ready here as we prepare to just worship Jesus. He is creator, he is sustainer, he is redeemer. Let me say this, no other religion, no other religion can boast God with us. Emmanuel. No other religion can boast God with us, God in the flesh. You know how John says it? says the word dwelled among us. You know what that means? He pitched a tent <laughs> among us. He came and went camping with us. He put up a tent, dwelled with us. I love that it said he put up a tent. Amen? Let me tell you why. He didn't put up a palace. No, y'all don't get that. He didn't put up a mansion. He didn't come in and, and seek the world's glory and honor and declare himself to be king of the universe like Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't set up a human empire of power. No, he pitched a tent. He came homeless and he set himself up with the lowly. No other religion can boast God with us, God among us, God in the flesh. No other religion can worship this, are you ready? Divine human work. No other religion can worship this mystery. This mystery, divine human work. Hmm. No other religion can worship this divine human work as, are you ready? Redeemer. No other religion can boast that God came down. Step down off the stage. Step down. Put up a tent. And he didn't dwell in front of you. He dwelt among you. Among you. Among you. God with us. And I know we're social distancing right now because I was about to walk through. God with us. God among us. No other religion can boast. No other ideology philosophy that their God has come down. In fact, they'll look at us and look down on us. How dare you blasphemers say that God will lower himself this low and come into the mud with sinners. See, every other religion and cult will have you work your way up. But God said, no, 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 I'm going to come down. You're not going to do any work. Because all your works is faulty anyways. I'm going to do the work for you. Two things happen. Cults and religions. And this is what they do to the deity of Jesus Christ. They're going to lower him in one of two ways. Right? They're going to say that he was a man. Say he wasn't God. 
or they're going to lift you up and say that you can be God too, which inevitably is a lowering of Jesus. Any thought that lowers Christ in one of those two ways is a thought that we categorically reject. I don't care how sweet, how nice, how good someone is. Salvation is not based on anything else but faith in Christ alone. Amen, are you with me? As incarnate son, fully man, he alone is able to sympathize with our weakness, identifying with us as our representative and substitute. But he's not just identifying with us in weakness. As divine son, fully God, he alone is able to satisfy his own judgment. You think about that? He alone is able to satisfy his own judgment against sinful humanity. And he alone is able to fulfill the law's demand with a perfect record of righteousness. Paul calls this the wisdom of God, the gospel. That's the wisdom of God right there. This human divine work. Therefore, our hope for our salvation is in Christ alone. And because he is God and because he has accomplished our redemption through the blood of his cross, he alone is worthy. He alone deserves all our love, attention, affection, faith, devotion, obedience. So Paul concludes the opening section of the hymn. Are you ready? He stops the hymn and then he makes one final comment. He declares the majesty, the glory, creator, sustainer, redeemer. And then he leaves them with this. Well, he keeps writing actually, but he leaves us with this, at least for today. Are you ready? Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you, now he's talking to you. So I was talking about Jesus, but now I'm gonna talk to you. And you who were alienated and hostile in your mind doing evil deeds come on were you hostile in your mind like no I always loved God no 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 what you did what you said was hostile hostile to the scriptures hostile to the word and you who were once who were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds are you ready he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You guys hear the gospel? If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. Can I say that again? All of that stuff's beautiful. Paul says, if indeed, are you ready? Continue in the faith. I had a good conversation with my boy Marv this week. We were talking about both of our journeys. Just what faithfulness looks like. Staying it looks like. We've seen people, I've seen people, couldn't sustain the faith. In my life, I've had difficulties in times where the crossroads are determining, man, am I gonna stay in the faith? Amen? Am I, is it just me? It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast not shifting get it he's talking to the colossians who were what shifting not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which i paul have become a minister a servant a slave Hmm. he is creator 
there at the beginning with God was God he is sustainer even while he was a baby in the manger Brittany you got a little one on the way some of you just had some children some of you had children even if you're single you can still understand this you've held a child a baby even while a baby in the manger still upholding the universe by the power of his word this is the precious deity of Jesus Christ and this is why the Christian church must do everything we can to make sure that that doctrine is preserved because he's true and because he alone deserves all honor all glory and our praise let's stand and worship together thank you for joining us for this week's Inspired Churches podcast don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday you can keep up with Inspired Churches through Instagram at Inspired Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspired Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspiredchurches.com for more information.